Manhattan spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 209th annual Simone Mosception Podcast. Your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm drumming pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Uh, not doing too bad. It is uh, Minnesota hot season right now. I know for you, it's uh, it's not much for us pasty ass motherfuckers here. It uh, yeah. 95, you know, it is kind of uncomfortable, but not too bad. 95 and humid is, yeah. Oh. Minnesota has quite a bit of humidity too. It was, uh, I don't know how hot it was today, but maybe, I don't know, my car said it was 118 while I was driving down the road. Uh, it's a little toasty. Work, so. It's a little yeah, toasty. A little, little bit toasty. Uh, my AC is still broken, still in need of uh, a fix. So, You know what, uh, real quick here. So yesterday, there's like a really weird storm that kind of came through. It like downpoured for pro I swear to God, maybe five to ten minutes, right? And in some places it like knocked power out and shit. It didn't seem like it was that bad. But I got off work right when the storm was over and it started heating up again and all that rainwater mm. was humidity. Ugh. Felt so fucking sticky. Yeah, that shit happens here. If we get rain in the morning before the sun comes up, once the sun comes up, you can see the steam rising off the yeah. ground. And yeah. it's just this bubble of humidity that hangs in the air. It doesn't get above like 105 on those days, so that's kind of nice. But the humidity will just fuck rot you from the outside. It's not good. When Mars becomes available, is there humidity there? <laughs> because if there is <laughs> not, I think we should move. Well, it's going to be pretty much uh, temp controlled because they can't have any, you know, outside whatever air is on Mars. They can't let that in. So toxic to humans. Uh, let's, so, yeah, let's put some of them, uh, them badasses who wear shorts in the winter here. Maybe they'll be able to survive. Yeah, it's pretty cold there. Yeah. I had uh, I had two quick things. I did watch the first episode. I watched about two seconds of the Love Island thing, and I just couldn't. Hell couldn't fucking yeah. Do it. yeah. But I did watch the first episode of Quarterbacks, ah. which centered mostly on Patty Mahomes yep. and uh, your boy over there, the Minnesota yep. quarterback. Yeah. So they, they, Cousins. Them two definitely get the most screen time. Oh, yeah. The third guy, it seems like they asked all other, like, what? 30 quarterbacks that were left and he's the only one that said yes i i feel like because they would have much rather had tom brady because in all of the intros all they show is those two and then tom brady i actually i actually think it was on purpose because you had the best quarterback in the league an above average quarterback and then one that is like <laughs> hanging on for dear life so you get kind of the triple perspective yeah, you could tell that he himself was surprised that he was starting quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's looking around like, is there no one better than, than me? Oh, we are fucked. Yeah, it uh, not great. They 
they did just lose Matty Ice, though. So he was yeah. uh, he he had just retired. He was named starting quarterback. So definitely, that is the definition of rebuilding. So. Yeah, if Marcus Mariota is on your team, you're definitely rebuilding. Yep. Yeah. The next thing, well, well, before we start the episode, the last thing I actually did go to the theater uh, first time in about six months. I saw the movie Oppenheimer which uh, a lot of people apparently went and saw because it did pretty well this weekend. And I came to a great realization while going to that. What's that? So I went by myself. I could have, you know, called maybe some friends to go or went some with family members. I was like, no, I really, I just want to go to the movie. I like the, like the movie, I liked to go to AMC. They got the big seats, I like the popcorn, the soda, you know, maybe sneak some candy in, that kind of shit. Just by myself, no one trying to talk to me, no one, you know, bothering problem is normally i go to the theater like you know saturday night when no one goes or like sunday afternoon that kind of deal i went opening night for oppenheimer friday night that bitch was packed i didn't realize that the same rules that applied to when you got onto an airplane applied to when you go to the movie theater by yourself because i was seated right next to of course a fat smelly loser dude and an old lady who you know (laughs) talked quite a bit during the movie <laughs> As, so, same thing happens to me every time i get on an airplane old lady who talks too much big fat smelly guy who doesn't realize you know hygiene i um as someone who has went to a, you know a movie by myself several times i can attest you're probably gonna get sat next to somebody who is kind of annoying um yep every i swear every because i'm usually like the horror movie guy and, you know, I go by myself and then you get, I'm not trying to be sexist here, but the girls, groups of girls next to you who are always screaming at every little thing. And it's like, guys, mm. come on, tone it down a little bit. <laughs> All right. Grow up, people. Yeah. <laughs> this is not that kind of theater. No. You're not even supposed to, you're not even supposed to laugh at the funny things. In this no. Theater. I went and saw, I remember seeing Superbad in theaters. What was it? Like 15, 16 years ago. And it was the funniest movie I'd ever seen in a theater. No one laughed. It was great. You could see everyone holding it in because they wanted, you know, nobody laughs really? in theaters. That's the best. Okay. Yeah. All right. When everyone's on board with that, that's pretty nice. Uh, but I, w- I will say, yeah, this guy, I don't know what his life was like. He smelled like a combination of cigarette smoke, BO, and I'm pretty sure cum stained pants because <laughs> it was just, it was bad. Also, he was wearing flip flops to the movie theater and he just basically had them off for like the last half of the movie. Arizona special, baby. Woo. Um, yeah. So one thing I wanted to say before we get into this, I I was getting back into finishing where I left off a 90 day fiance. Right. And yeah, and (laughs) I was watching it was a guy named Colt and his Brazilian girlfriend named Larissa. Are you familiar with these two? Yeah. uh, Very good. YouTube cringe videos. Yeah. Colt. Yeah. I mean, she's pretty cringy, too, to be honest with you. But. He drives, he, they live in Las, not Las Vegas, and he drives around in his car with AC, and all I can think about is you <laughs> whenever I see him driving around with no AC in the blazing heat. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fucking terrible. Yeah. No, uh, 
So it's pretty funny if you watch that show, uh, Colt, when that show first started off. He's kind of this lovable loser, dorky guy. And the funny thing is, he has that girl that, uh, you know, it's a 90 day fiance thing. So the chick comes and they're instantly engaged, that sort of situation. But he keeps meeting these women who are like oddly attractive, attracted to him. And like, they're not bad. They're actually kind of like his speed. Like there was one where they were out. Like, I remember they were testing cake Yeah, and yep. the girl, the girl who was bringing the cake around was kind of like giving him the eyes, flirting with them. And the Brazilian chick was just pissed. Not she's a psycho it. anyway. Yeah. But it's like, God damn, dude, if you only met this girl, <laughs> like she's perfect for you. I, it turns out though, he's, he's a bit of a horn dog too. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, un- we didn't know it, but yeah, turns out. I, uh, I was laughing pretty hard when she kept calling him a whore and I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. This season, season six has been the cringiest one I've watched so far. So Good, I've, good. I've mostly watched that season. Okay, it's so. it's pretty good. It's good for a good laugh. I'll tell you that much. But uh, yeah, there are plenty. There, there's plenty of cringe YouTube channels that you can watch. My favorite one for that show is Cinnamon Toast Ken. Uh, they're pretty <laughs> funny, making fun of them. All right. Well, speaking of Cinnamon Toast Ken, can uh, can we get into this week's episode, Bill? <laughs> Yeah, so I've had uh, quite a bit of time to write this one, so buckle in. It's going to be a long ride. (laughs) Even before the beginnings of human civilization, groups of humans hoping for security and prosperity for themselves, also having a want to dominate their neighbors and rivals, usually through war and domination, would swear fealty to the big man. These leaders would take on many titles, whether that be chief, shaman, lord, consul, king, or empire. No matter what they would have their underlings call them, leaders have derived power and prestige from the title that they had been bestowed with. For some leaders, they would not only be known for the title in front of their names, but also the one on the back end as well. As history, whether true or revisionist, will often reward the most memorable leaders with monikers describing either their looks, temperament, or the nature of their rule, with our subject today being given possibly the most accurate title, being seen as one of the most devious and depraved rulers since the horrors of the Roman Empire. As our subject for today is the 16th century terror of Russian nobility, Ivan IV, also known as Ivan the Terrible. Ooh, I gotta say, I know you're gonna go through it, and I'm assuming he's not very nice, but great fucking name. Yeah. I mean, Ivan, pretty common Russian name among, you know, like, czars, leaders, that kind of deal. Actually, he wasn't the only Ivan czar. His grandfather was Ivan the Great. So kind of, you know, a little juxtaposition there with kind of the names, though we will get into what what the translation really means at the end of the episode. And I will kind of like, you know, go towards it throughout the episode too. So would it be ironic if it was Ivan the Terrible because not because he was mean, but just because he was like terrible at everything. Like he can't even (laughs) he can't even sit in a fucking chair. He's so bad. He can't put together a Lego set. He's just like he's the Christian Ponder of Russian leaders. 
you sit down to play chess with him and he starts immediately playing checkers <laughs> and you just can't say anything because he'll have your head chopped off. <laughs> yeah. I do like that christian ponder yeah that's a deep cut people people won't get that but true vikings (laughs) fans will understand how he was fucking christian the terrible and terrible as in bad quarterback with a hot wife yeah oh definitely a hot wife but yeah there was uh some painful years there in minnesota yeah yeah but uh anyway (laughs) (laughs) moving on now the russia that we think of today was wholly different from that of 500 years ago, as back then, what we now think of as Western Russia consisted many Rus principalities, with the most influential centered around the city of Moscow. Moscow, after gaining independence from the receding former empire forged by Genghis Khan two centuries earlier, this was the Mongolian Empire. The Mongolian Empire had once spanned from eastern China all the way to central Europe, though the empire would devolve after his death into many large khanates and hordes that controlled huge swaths of land throughout Asia and Europe, though it would eventually be driven back, succumbing to the newly formed Russian Empire, all starting with perhaps one of Russia's greatest rulers, the first unofficial czar, Ivan the Great. So why is he unofficial? Because he wasn't, he just kind of made himself the czar or what? Well, I'll get into it a little bit. Okay. Uh, so basically he was titled Grand Prince. All these principalities, like it, coming from their name, had many princes ruling them. He was kind of considered like the central leader, the king of all of them, the Grand Prince. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Though, uh, basically to his people, he was the Grand Prince, but... To other leaders, like around, like in, you know, his local neighborhood and Britain and some of the big hitters, he would kind of title himself Czar, which is kind of like a translation of like a Caesar, like a ruler, you know, emperor. I I always thought Czar sounded awesome. Like it's cooler than king. yeah. Yeah, it's. It's great. We still use the word now for government positions. Like there is a like a czar like video games or television, whatever, that kind of deal. Uh, They kind of, they're kind of like this weird little position that has like a ton of power over like a certain thing. Like there's like a porn czar and that sort of (laughs) shit too. You know what I mean? A porn czar, huh? And it's not Charlie Sheen. (laughs) It should be Charlie (laughs) Sheen. uh, Honest question though. You know, I, I know modern day China, you know, they kind of, I wouldn't say hostile, using hostile manner, but they kind of like absorbed certain regions around them. Did they kind of swallow up Mongolia or is that still considered an independent country? So quite a bit of history there. So obviously Mongolian Empire spanned down into China. Mongolian Empire took over like huge areas of what we now think of as China. Then it receded uh, pretty much China took the best part of Mongolia that they wanted and then left like the not so good land yeah. to the Mongolians. Okay. Uh, after the Soviet Union took over and then the Chinese communists took over China, uh, Mongolia was kind of caught in the middle between these two communist states and they mostly kind of fell underneath like Soviet 
They were, I mean, there were little parts of Mongolia that were, but most of the, like what we think of now as Mongolia was Soviet backed. So they weren't part of the Soviet Union, but they were kind of like, a, they were a buffer between the two states. You can think gotcha. of Gotcha. Everything I hear about Mongolia, the people are just like, oh, it's just literally a country of nomads. Um, I, it just always remind, reminds me of Tatooine on uh, Star Wars <laughs> when I hear that. I know that's not what it's like, but it's all I can envision when it's like a whole country of nomads. Yeah, I did actually watch a documentary on Mongolia a couple of weeks ago. Apparently, most of the country like now has moved or migrated to like one central city, whatever Mongolia's capital is. I guess most of the people like live there now. Ah, capitalism always wins, baby. Definitely. Capitalism and the ground melting underneath feet will definitely uh, get you off your land. (laughs) So first off, a little family history. Now, ascending to the throne of Grand Prince in 1462, Ivan III had greatly multiplied the lands and influence of the Muscovite Russian Empire, seizing lands after many wars fought against the Great Horde, the Tartars, and rival Rus principalities. Also, breaking Russian tradition and not exactly sharing any of that gained land with allied boyar aristocrats and even his own kin. Instead, he would consolidate power under his own reign. Ivan the Great would pass all of his lands and titles to one sole heir, his son Vasily, breaking the tradition of splitting up lands amongst all of a ruler's descendants after their death. Okay, so he he wanted his son to just basically rule everything. Oh yeah, definitely. So it's it's kind of this weird thing where... You know, every all of these rich people kind of wanted a little wanted a bigger piece after like the big man died, you know, so basically it would not make power so centralized. But of course, you know, Ivan the Great is thinking I've got a, am trying to build something here, you know, so he all the land that he gained, he kept for himself. So gotcha. Okay, well. Little did these rich people know that the richer person also is greedy and doesn't want to share. So um, they learned an important lesson there. Yeah, that's the thing about Russia. Uh, I mean, it was much like countries, like all European countries before the Enlightenment. Uh, There were a few very, very rich people and then just a shit ton of dirt poor people. Basically like, you know, Amazon warehouse. Yeah. Kind of deal. (laughs) So just for some context, uh, when I use the word boyer in like the future or talking in this episode, just think kind of like Russian nobility who kind of make up the soldier class. So they're the ones who are going to go off to war. Uh, The older boyers are kind of like the generals or basically they are committing their all of their heirs and kind of their you know family members into the soldiery of the country. It's a very loose kind of army in Russia at this time. Gotcha. Okay. Now, I I was curious about that, but now that makes sense. Yeah. It's just their word, boyer, kind of a a soldier nobility class sort of thing. Okay. So Ivan would pass the title of Grand Prince onto his son Vasily, who would continue to take land and consolidate power, finally uniting the Rus principalities under Moscow. Though, after 20 years of marriage, his wife had not yet produced a male heir, which prompted the 47-year-old Grand Prince to send his wife, 
Salamania Suburova to the monastery of the intercession of Suzdal, and he would marry again. This was actually against the advice of the Orthodox Church, but he kind of wanted to. So he married the 15-year-old Princess Elena Glinskaya in 1526. This was in hopes of having a male heir. So did his first wife have just girls or just didn't have kids at all? She was barren, so she did not have any kids at all. Okay, all right. Yeah, that was a uh, kind of big deal back then. Apparently, you just um, send your wife off uh, so you don't ever have to talk to her again. Yeah, basically. So <laughs> Salamania was actually taken to the to the monastery. It's not like she just kind of lived there now. Uh, she had to become a full member, uh, basically a full nun. She had her head forcibly shaved, kind of like that that monk style haircut that you think of with the bald head and then the hair coming off the sides. Page boy. She had her. Sh- yes, she had her head shaved in that fashion. Uh, this is known as being tonsured. It's not the last time we're going to talk about it. Later, though, she would be canonized as Saint Sophia of the uh, Orthodox Church. So. Okay, I get. Okay, I guess she got a saint out of it in the end. Yeah, she got a she got a nice title after she died, basically. So. You know what? If I need to worship a new saint, I think Saint Sophia might be a front runner. Yeah, after she, uh, well, after she moved to the pious, she be after she moved to the monastery, she became very pious. But I'm sure that beatings would ensue unless you uh, prayed just as much as the other nuns. Yeah. So. Yeah. Very true. Now, this venture would prove very successful, as his new wife would give birth to two sons. First, to Ivan on August 25th, 1530. Then, to a second son, Yuri, in 1533. Though, there were rumors that Elena had invited the help of Finnish witches in order to use their magic and aiding her to have sons very quickly. Which is most likely kind of just anti-Ivan the Terrible propaganda. Though, given the time frame that we're talking about, I mean, who knows? It might have been. Look, everybody knows Finland has the most powerful of witches. Everybody knows this, Phil. Definitely. They have the power of those little elves that they think are uh, running around in trees. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't remember if they're a wooden clog country or not, but... um... I don't I know. That's the Dutch. Uh, that's the Dutch. Is Finland known for having as many firearms as America? Is that the one, or is that, I'm thinking of Sweden? Uh, ooh, per capita, he, I think you might be thinking of Sweden. Okay. They're one of those, like the Nordic countries, that's really nice, like a really nice place to live, unless you have any ambition, and then <laughs> you're just you're just kind of you're just kind of stuck like middle income type situation. Hey, it's hey. very socialist country. Hey. You know what? That sounds perfect for me and you. <laughs> Definitely. We yeah. just want to live our life and not overachieve. <laughs> yeah, just give me my fucking two-bedroom condo and my television, and I'm pretty happy. I'm good. You know, the prisons now, there have okay. uh, nicer living situations than some citizens in the United States, so <laughs> I don't know. Oh, definitely. You know, at least they get a PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, the pr- there are people in prison for murder in that country who are going to get out before people who were convicted on the same day of like drug charges in America. Yeah, that's the crazy yeah. thing about yeah their country. Yeah, so. yeah, that's what prison uh, for profit does to you. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 
Now, in 1533, Vasily would be struck by a great pain in his hip while riding horseback. He would be diagnosed with an absence in his leg, which would become horribly infected. This would threaten the ruler's life. Vasily would order his men to take him back to Moscow as quickly as they could, as his death outside of the capital city may have caused a crisis for his son Ivan, who, just a toddler at the time, wouldn't have had the support backing him to become Grand Prince. Vasily actually had two living younger brothers at the time who actually may have and would eventually try to contend for the throne. Wow, okay. So this is really complicated then. The rule is, if you die, you need to die within the city limits. Well, I mean, you ha- you need to have your heirs recognized by the boyars. The, ah. the aristocrats need to kind of like, it's almost like Game of Thrones when the king was old and dying and he kind of made sure everyone recognized that his daughter would be queen. That sort of situation had everyone come and kind of kneel in front of her, making him like like he's my heir apparent. That hadn't happened yet because his son was so young and he was still, you know, he was only in his like 40s. He was still fit and fine, except for now he was dying of an infection. It's weird that I mean, I would assume the abscess would be like it kind of popping out of your leg you think they would i mean i guess they would have been cutting it open with dirty knives anyway and just make the infection worse dirty knives dirty hands dirty water (laughs) you know they'd have been better off pouring alcohol at that time because at least it would have killed some of the germs also you got to think too there are no antibiotics at all at this time i mean shit even when i was you know living on that farm uh when we would cut the absences or whatever off the pigs when they would form the the boils and stuff they would use like antibiotics they would clean the wounds that sort of thing they have none of this at this time and we'll get into a little bit about like the medicine that they're using at this time and kind of its effects on people i can't imagine i cannot imagine it's very good but uh let's let's hear about it no Definitely not. So Vasily would actually return in time to Moscow in late November, though he would die on the 3rd of December, 1533. He would, however, be able to name his eldest son heir in time before succumbing to the blood poisoning. Now, at this time, Vasily would transfer his power to Ivan's mother, Elena, making her regent. And the next five years would be known as the reign of Elena after defeating opposing claims to the throne by Vasily's remaining brothers, who I mentioned before. Uh, With Elena making her own small mark on Russian history, she would actually sign a peace treaty with the powerful Lithuania in 1536. She would build a wall around Moscow to prevent it from Tartar invasions. She would also create protections for travelers against highwaymen, And finally, one of her biggest things is she would actually create a unified currency for all of the Russians to use. Okay, so even though she's probably like 16, um, I know she's (laughs) older, I know she's older, but she did pretty good in the time being considering there's about to be a fucking hurricane about to be coming. Yeah, exactly. Uh, She actually weathered the storm. 
So the storm was all of these people. You got to think too. Not only are her brother-in-laws trying to take the front trying to take the throne from her son and trying to kick her out as regent they are backed by like boyers trying to use the brothers to gain power for themselves as well so she's got it coming in on all sides not only that whenever a ruler dies especially one that's been in charge for you know like as long as he had been in coming up on i think almost 20 years at that point You've got to realize everyone's looking for a power vacuum. They hear that there is a three-year-old on the throne and his like 20 something mother is the regent. Everyone's going to be coming. So luckily for her, actually, Vasily had just had a war with some of the most powerful nations in the region and they were not able to fight as well as they should have been able to. So they weren't able to take advantage right away like they would have liked to. Timely death, I guess. Yeah, apparently. So it didn't quite uh, end as badly as it could have. I guess for now, it's not too bad. Yeah, exactly. Kind of foreshadowing that. Yeah. Now, at this time, Elena would be regent. And though the powerful nobleman would acknowledge her title, this did not stop them from jockeying for position amongst themselves, trying to be the most influential in the royal court with the Boyer family, especially the Shusky and Belsky not wanting her to be influenced by anyone besides themselves. Later, taking aim at influencing the young Grand Prince Ivan himself. And because of this, Elena's time as regent would not see an ending with the young Ivan taking the throne, as she would die in 1538, rumored to be poisoned, most likely by the Shusky family when young Ivan was only eight years old. Well, I guess it would go with Russian tradition with poisoning people in secret. Um, still happens Definitely. today. <laughs> but, uh, but okay, so he's only eight. How yep. is he going to take over? So it, it is going to take him a while. And it's kind okay. of contended a little bit like how he takes over and kind of like what state he was living in. Uh, and by state, I don't mean what country, like like what conditions he was living in while he was waiting to take the throne. There's kind of like propaganda on both sides. I'll kind of get into it and kind of try to like Venn diagram a little bit, but it's very contentious. So is it going to be like Batman where Bruce Wayne kind of disappears for a little bit and then he comes into the board meeting and he's like, hey, I'm back. It's mine now. And they're just going to give it to him. Actually, yes, it, oh. it, it does kind of he does have one very big thing at the age of 13 that uh, <laughs> is kind of like that moment that you speak of. So, okay. yeah. Okay. All right. After the death of their mother, Elena, Ivan and Yuri's life, according to later writings by Ivan himself, would not be very happy ones with the two young princes becoming pawns in the game of Russian political intrigue between competing boyer family. Now, after his mother's death, Ivan and Yuri would be dominated by the Shusky family, being taken from the palace after Elena's death and kept mostly under house arrest during their early youth. With Ivan writing that he and his brother Yuri, who was actually deaf and mute, would be kept in rags, hardly being fed or cared for, and not shown any of the respect that was owed to them with their positions. It would be during this time that Ivan IV's hatred of the Boyer families would be seeded. 
So, okay, just like Batman, Batman has to face his his fear of the bats. Ivan's yep. going to have to face his fear of the boyers. Yeah. Well, according kind of to Ivan and, you know, kind of some of the propaganda from that that side of it, him facing his fear of the boyers was getting his ass beat on the regular pretty much by these boyer families. Well, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, but I have a feeling there's going to be some revenge. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Okay. It's a, <laughs> it's a life filled with revenge. Okay. So, All right. Yeah, definitely. There's stories of kind of these Boyer families worried that someone's going to try to come in and influence Ivan once he takes the throne. Uh, a lot of these Boyer families will just like rush into wherever he is staying run into his room, kick open all of his stuff, trying to find letters from other Boyer families, trying to help him, you know, escape and all of this stuff. Basically just, you know, beating the shit out of him in the process. So it's got a lot of beatings as a youth, according to himself. It's got to be confusing when you're getting letters and every single family ends with ski in it (laughs) and you just, you can't keep them fucking straight, man. Oh, definitely. Yeah. A lot of the a lot of the same sounding names out here. It yeah. is kind of funny because a lot of the the names in, you know, like Nordic and kind of like Russian culture, they all take kind of the father's name and end it. It make it your last name kind of deal. So there's a lot of, of Ivanoviches and Zaroviches and all of that. <laughs> stuff. So it's pretty funny. Yeah. Romanovich. <laughs> Romanovich. Basically just means your dad's, you know, a Romanovich or whatever, or a, a Romanov. Ah, now you're Romanovich, yeah, Yuri, yeah. Agronovich, whatever, fucking, you know, Shazanovich, yeah. whatever, your, whatever <laughs> your family's name is, that sort of deal. <laughs> kind of weird names. Now, after Alana's death, her body would be taken out of the Kremlin, very private manner, and buried in secret, not giving the regent any funeral lights that should have been given to a lady of her status kept away from prying eyes of the public. Soon after this successful coup, the Shusky family would consolidate power, ruthlessly purging anyone that had been loyal to Elena, even sending Ivan's beloved nursemaid, Agrafina, to a convent, being given a similar haircut to his father's first wife, Salamana. Wow. I mean, I got to say, her name almost sounds like if we were to buy a Chinese knockoff of Aquafina. Um, Agrafina. Yeah, give me a bottle of Agrafina. Um, (laughs) It has just a little bit of lead in it. Uh, So you you buy it at a bodega and it seems like it's been open before you got to (laughs) it. Yeah. (laughs) It comes with the safety seal broken already to know it's good. Um, Yeah. So I'm just getting the impression they weren't a big fr- big fan of Elena. Oh, no. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, well, they were a very big fan of having all the power to themselves. Yeah. So that means they weren't a big fan of anyone like standing in their way. And this was their opportunity. Because you got to think, you had Ivan the Great before this. His son, Shus- or his son Vasily was like no slouch himself. So both of them kind of took power, uh, you know, when they were already men. So now... You know, you have kind of this like power vacuum, and it's almost amazing that it took them five years to kind of, you know, jump on. Yeah. So, yeah. To kill her, basically. You know what? This is honestly, after listening to this, 
I had been thinking about rewatching Game of Thrones, but this is some Game of Thrones shit right here, and it really makes me want to rewatch it. Oh, definitely, yeah. It also kind of makes me think, so the whole time I was doing research, writing all of this, doing all the readings, I was thinking to myself, like, so I listen to a lot of true crime, and it's always kind of the thing where, like, a woman's preferred method of murder is poison. Well, I don't know what it is about Russia, but like you were mentioning, like, they love poison. It's like their preferred method. If you ever hear anyone dying in any of these stories, you just automatically assume, like, oh, how could they have, like, the manner of their death, how was it like poison, basically? You know, it's a good thing about poison. Uh, you set it and forget it, man. You can just poison yep. them and leave and then let let the poison do its work. But uh, yeah, Phil, don't call the whole country of Russia feminine. Uh, you might yeah. end up dead. I'm just going <laughs> to just going to throw that out there. Yeah. The oligarchy. At yeah. Least. The yeah. normal folk are probably, you know, they probably, you know. We're doing it with axes, yeah. basically, just like Americans. Yeah. <laughs> else, all the other poor people were killing each other with axes at that yeah. time. So You know is a rich what death. Was hand, when, what was handy? <laughs> you know is a rich death if they were poisoned. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. That, <laughs> what a dignified death, actually, yeah. Yeah, considering how true. some people die in this. Uh, later on, some of the people who are against Ivan the Terrible, or seemingly against Ivan the Terrible, are executed by drowning. So, oh, okay. poison, poison's actually not a bad uh, way to go, actually. Yeah, it's probably a lot more peaceful than drowning. Definitely. Now, during this time, the successes and reforms that had, pla- that had taken place during the reigns of Ivan's mother, father, and grandfather would begin to wither away, as the ruling Shusky family had little interest in the day-to-day rule of the country focusing more on plundering the wealth of the country, paying little attention to the struggles of the common folk, uh, mostly just turning a blind eye to Russia's neighbors, which, by 1539, had sensed the lack of control that the state had over its own lands and began intruding on and even raiding Russian territory. They would steal possessions, even taking slaves. With the time between Elena's death and Ivan's successions, seeing the slave markets of the surrounding nations filling with captured Russian peasants, oftentimes with the Shusky family paying off these powers to only just kind of simply raid the land and spare Russia from any like significant territorial loss. Uh, also, when they did this raid, they would come in and kill thousands of people, anyone who stood in their way or was maybe trying to you know, this is the 1500s, and we don't, I don't know all Russia history, but it seems like even into the late 1900 or 1800s, the Russian people still were kind of getting treated this way. So it's really no surprise that they had a communist revolution, right? I mean, <laughs> if this is like yeah. 400 years of the we- the wealthy having everything and then the poor people kind of they get the scraps but yet they're going to be the ones to get killed first um you know i don't know you know what i mean yeah there were a lot of reformers who would come to power in russia over the next like you know 500 years whatnot but the problem is russia is kind of so isolationist that like all of the big things that happen throughout you know europe and asia even you know 
all of the enlightenment, all of the kind of like the rights that the people were getting, none of that would happen in Russia. There were still serfs until basically the late 1800s, early 1900s, barely gaining any kind of rights of their own and any rights that they were given kind of like either quickly taken away or greatly stamped out. And for those who don't know, serfs are the peasantry, right? Yeah, so serfs are basically slaves yeah. that aren't owned by people, but they're not allowed to leave their land. It's it's kind of like a feudal system. So instead of being owned by like a human master, you are obviously still controlled by the rich person, but you're not allowed to leave the land. Yeah, so it's you're not you can't you can't be sold by the master of the land, but you cannot leave the land. Yeah, it's like it's really like you could correlate it honestly to like Amazon warehouse workers, right? Definitely. They can only Jeff, they not sell you, but you're not allowed to leave the factory yeah. unless they fire you. Yeah. And yeah. now that there's AI robot security guards, um, it's the, the <laughs> it's going to get ratcheted down quite a bit. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Plenty of accidents can happen yeah. when those uh, 2000 yeah. pound robots yeah. roll by. That seventy-inch block of TVs fell on him. I don't know. Just, just accident, man. I don't. I don't know what happened. It's weird. Oh, that was uh, that was Gary, right? He's the one who wanted the union. Yeah, that's weird. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, let's get packing, folks. Come yeah. On. <laughs> now it was at this time that history begins to tell of Ivan's descent into madness. He would be unable to defend himself against the near constant abuse and neglect by his seeming jailers a young ivan would begin to act out being said to kill and torture small animals throw cats and dogs off the walls of the kremlin also ripping the feathers off of birds and splaying them open in his teenage years he is said to have taken to drinking joining with other teenagers in street gangs robbing stores assaulting old ladies even raping women silencing his victims of sexual assault by having them poisoned, imprisoned, or hanged. Okay. Um, We know now that this sounds like a burgeoning serial killer film. Definitely. So you got to remember, too, there was a lot of anti-Ivan property after his death by the boyers kind of trying to get him in the history books as like the bad guy. True. Because he treated them so poorly. But it's kind of weird, though, too, because it's almost like all of the sudden he's no longer under house arrest. And now kind of like when he's maybe 10, 12, 13, maybe he's kind of allowed to just roam the streets. He's back in the palace. He's killing cats. He's robbing old ladies, raping women like it's there's I kept reading. I kept trying to find like one point where he was no longer under house arrest and he was kind of doing his own thing. I kind of found maybe kind of in the propaganda where he, he takes power from the boyers and it kind of happens when he's 13 years old. So he's basically Macaulay Culkin from the good son. Yes. You, you remember that say movie? that there's a certain <laughs> point where he, uh, he takes. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I know that these like old propaganda stories. Like I, I've know I've mentioned the thing about Elizabeth Bathory, where uh, either she was like the most sadistic person in the world, or they made it up to steal her shit. So 
You know, I yeah. I don't know it. Um, well, I'll reserve my judgment for the end. Yeah. So I mean, it's back then. Not a lot of people could read, and you're the one who makes the history. So if anyone has any argument against. You could basically just exile them or kill them. And guess what? You get to tell the story of how they died, too. So very, true. you know, very oh, true. yeah. Uh, Annie, who was saying the uh, the false stuff about the history I was telling you. Yeah, it turns out she's a whore and she died of syphilis. So <laughs> uh, that's too bad. You know, <laughs> yeah. actually, we we, you know, smothered her in her own bed. But whatever. We make the, you know, history's written by the winners. Very so. true. Very true. Yeah, so the story basically goes, uh, one of the princes that was trying to have influence over him, Ivan would actually have him executed at the age of 13. So when Ivan was 13 years old, he kind of like had this moment where he takes powers for himself. And that's kind of like his Batman moment, where it's almost like, holy shit, oh fuck, like he's a man now, you know? Like all of a sudden, he's giving orders and kind of taking over. He had gained... His mother's allies were all dead, but now all these people, he kind of, he kind of chose his, his new alliances among the influential people against the people who had been in charge. So he's kind of playing the political game, I guess, as you alluded to, like, you yeah, know, he's, like he's how, learning it on, uh, on, on the, the job fo- training. Okay. Basically. Little OJT. Okay. I got it. Never hurt anybody. No. So on the other hand, young Ivan was also described as extremely intelligent, a voracious reader, especially of the classics, history, and religious texts. Also, he was a highly pious young man, visiting the church very often. He was even said to have once confessed his sins publicly in front of Moscow's residents. Which, in reality, kind of begs the question, what was the real teenage Ivan actually like? Was he the gambling rapist, the pious nerd, or possibly a watered-down combination of both? A yeah. pious rapist. Maybe that's what he was. Um, <laughs> He's a Catholic priest. Yeah. That's exactly what he is. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. I mean, I get you know, as we've found out, anybody who reads the religious text, goes to church, confesses their sins, um, is not capable of evil deeds. So I, th- what do you think? I mean, does that mean he's a good guy? Well, no. I mean, just being a reader, <laughs> you know, doesn't make you a good person. Don't trust Extremely intelligent. I mean, sometimes those are the most dangerous, Phil. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like visiting the church, you know, that's kind of, it's kind of one of those things he was said to be extremely intelligent like throughout his whole life. And he's one of those people who kind of never forgets. Really what he never forgets is people who did him wrong. He'll never yeah. if you <laughs> just like Batman. Just like Batman never fucking forgets. No, he yeah. never forgets. Okay. Well, just cuz he went to church and stuff does not mean he could not also be an evil sadist. So, yeah, I don't know. Let's hear more about him. So, what's not up for debate? is that in January of 1567, a 16-year-old Ivan would be named the first official czar of all of Russia. Though, what is a czar without a czarista? And what one can only imagine as like a casting call of potential czaristas, Ivan would be set up with many of the boyer, uh, younger ladies 
throughout the empire with the most striking of the bunch being Anastasia Romanova, who he would actually marry. She was said to have actually had a calming effect on Ivan, as from what I read, this would turn out to be the love of his life and would help Ivan mend the tattered empire that his family had spent so long building and fighting for, temporarily restoring the former providence of Muscovy, Russia. So Anastasia sounds like a fucking angel. Yeah, well, I mean, it's <laughs> the best wife him. that he had, definitely. Compared to him. He liked her the most. So this was literally like Love Island, but for Russia and Ivan the Terrible. Oh, yeah, you can imagine this actually being <laughs> like a reality show. He must have just been sitting there and then they would just be paraded out. Maybe they would give a little, you know, say a little poem or maybe the dad would talk or something like that. But he just decided it was Anastasia that he wanted. She sounds so, cute. From what I what I from what I read, it was him who chose her. So. Gotcha. She sounds beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he liked her apparently, so it <laughs> helped. <laughs> Now, Ivan would refer to his wife with a uh, kind of a cute nickname, though I would not suggest giving any, your significant other this nickname. He named her uh, what translates to Little Heifer. Ah. As this is how he would refer to Anastasia, who would bear him six children while they were together, though only two of them would actually make it to adulthood with their children, Anna, Maria, Dmitri, and Eudoxia, never making it to their second birthdays, though his remaining two sons would have much longer lives, with his favorite son making it to 27, and we will discuss his death later. His last son, Fedor, would live to the ripe old age of 40 years old and actually succeed Ivan as Tsar. Okay, so, I mean, Fyodor, you assume in, in Russia this time... With a name like that, he's damn near immortal. Making oh, it to 40. <laughs> yeah, guys, unless you are really comfortable in your relationship, yeah, we don't recommend if you have a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, don't call him Little Heifer unless, like, that's your thing. Yeah, I mean, unless your girlfriend is as skinny as a pole and it's kind of like calling, like, your short friend like bean sprout or something like that, you know, like giving somebody a nickname that like doesn't match them at all. Unless your girlfriend is extremely thin, do not meant do not call her little heifer at all. Well, you know, what if it was because, you know, when I think of a heifer, I think of a red cow, maybe it's a little calf, <laughs> kind of cute. Uh, maybe she's got a lot of junk in the trunk. She's got a big ass and called her his little heifer. <laughs> It is kind of funny. I'm pretty sure heifer is a female, like, is female cattle that hasn't calved yet. Oh. Like, a cow is a female that's had calves. A heifer, like a market heifer, has never had a calf because you eat it before it has calves. A good virgin calf. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's kind of sad. You eat them after they're, like, a year and a half old. But Well, they got to quit yeah. tasting so damn good. Definitely. It's their yeah, own damn no. fault. It is. It's definitely their own damn fault. <laughs> yeah. Growing up, always had great steaks in the freezer. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Now, during those early years, Ivan would make sweeping reform, 
giving more authority of personal matters to local governments. He would set up the Strolsky. This would be Russia's first standing army, kind of like a like an elite force that was always on the ready. He would also get some territorial gains against his neighbors on the Volga River. He would also form a parliamentary legislation, the Zemsky Sober, which was Russia's first parliament, uh, consisting mostly of the feudal states. And he would also set up more like a house of lords. This would be known as the Chosen Council, which at first he actually shared some of his powers with. Ivan would also normalize the rites and rituals of the Orthodox Church, which he loved so much. Before his time, it really was kind of like a hodgepodge all over the country of what these churches believed in. Really? Okay. Obviously, we know the the Orthodox Church is, I don't know if it's confirmed, but you hear rumors that the Orthodox Church is like, has their tentacles in government and everything. Right? Am I wrong about that? Well, kind of whenever, whenever there's like a, a huge church, like inside of a state, uh, they did lose a lot of their power during the, the Soviet Union, obviously, which was a, an atheist government sort of situation. But I think they are kind of back on the rise yeah. now before the Soviets, though. Yeah, they were definitely Russia was kind of considered like the home of the Orthodox. I was pretty sure Putin loves the Orthodox Church. Putin? Maybe. I'm I don't know. Maybe sure. he's just saying he does. Yeah, that's true. I've heard stuff like in recent times that the church can basically control a lot. Because like they got oh, a yeah. lot well, of that's money. With, that's with any church yeah. that has kind of like a, a large following in any country. Right. So, right. I mean, hell, there's only like a few thousand Scientologists and look at how full they are. So true. that's just money, though. True. Yeah, I was going to say money talks, man. Money and that Tom Cruise fucking swag. That's what they got going for them. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Now, one of the good things that Ivan IV is remembered for is the erection of St. Basil's Cathedral. This was built to celebrate the victories and the end of the Khanate of Kazan and the absorption of the city of Astrakhan. And I have a picture of uh, St. Basil's Cathedral below. It's it's the famous one that you see whenever you have a movie in Russia, you will see this. Just like if you're in France, you'll see the uh, Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love I think it's beautiful. Uh, I love the Russian old Russian architecture because they really respect the swirl cone look. Of yep. of an ice cream cone, and you know I really appreciate that. Yeah, you really appreciate it when you go to an ice cream shop and you get the swirl cone, and they look like that. Yeah, and they're not like the messy. They're not like flattened no. out or like super tall and kind of ugly. They're just that perfect, you know, that onion shape on top. Yeah, absolutely. Whoever did this was a connoisseur of swirl cones, and he knew what he was doing. Now, like I mentioned. Ivan's early reign was mostly successful, with his mental health seemingly stable, brought about by his wife being by his side. However, events would take place that would send Ivan off the deep end and garner him the nickname in the future that he is so renowned for. Now first, Ivan would be stricken with an extremely high fever in 1553, believing that he was now on his deathbed he would call in the Boyer aristocrats to accept his infant son, Dimitri, as the next czar. 
if his illness in fact did result in his death. Though the Boyers, believing that the alien Ivan was now powerless, actually refused to give his son their blessing. This was something that a fully recovered Ivan would never forgive or forget. Second, his wife, Anastasia, would die after a long-suffering illness in 1560, which Ivan would believe had resulted from poisoning. Okay, gee, can they quit killing these fucking ladies? <laughs> Jesus Christ. But, uh... Um, no, if you were a member of the royal family, I would be surprised if any meal you ate didn't have at least a little arsenic. Right. It's <laughs> you need to be, Christ. like, smelling it, see if it smells like almonds. I think that's the rumor that arsenic smells like almonds. And she... Just like, Jesus Christ. But, uh, I thought you were gonna say this fever... Like, it was so high, it gave him brain damage, and that's why he starts killing people, but he got betrayed, so now, just like Batman, he's going for revenge. Definitely. We will discuss that theory at the end. That's okay. kind of actually one of my favorite theories of, uh, uh, we, at the end of this, we're, we're gonna talk about, like, some theories on why Ivan maybe, like, descended into madness, that sort of thing. Okay. But, All right. yeah, his wife basically was his rock and when that was taken away is very shaky yeah yeah it's sad i feel bad for no oh, definitely now after anastasia's death ivan had a complete meltdown said to have banged his head into the floor in full view of his court he would smash furniture and make unfounded accusations of treason at friends and enemies alike he would start with, of course, his old enemies, the Boyer aristocrats, having many of them tortured and executed. Also, he would imprison or exile his most trusted advisors, as with Anastasia no longer by his side, the old Ivan seemed to be back with a vengeance. If he did barbecue his brain with his fever, now he's giving himself extra if he had CTE, he's enhancing the CTE with banging his head on the floor. Basically, Anastasia was the chains keeping the beast locked up. She passes away, and now it's just full rampage by this guy. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's it's so much like a movie. Kind of makes you think it was written a little bit. Yeah, you know, like the propaganda. Yeah, but it's it's. It's perfect, honestly. It's imagine if Bell had died at the end of Beauty and the Beast. Fucking the Beast would have went fucking ape shit. So kind of the same thing, basically. What if Beast died? What would Bell do? I bet she would have went ape shit too and just killed all those fucking villagers. <laughs> just fucking Fuck snap that fucking snap that <laughs> candlestick's neck. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm burning this bitch to the ground. Yeah. Fuck, fuck this all, library. Fuck all you Who talking. And, yeah, fuck you books and brooms and everything else. <laughs> Definitely. Now, during this period, Ivan would take Russia down a wholly different path, starting long-lasting wars with regional neighbors that would end in tragedy, with one even resulting in the burning of Moscow. Also, the sending of secret police that Ivan would create would result in horrific purges against many of the Russian boyars that he hated so much. You know what? There's never, ever been a story where secret police do anything good. Just going to throw that out there. Oh, definitely not. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, you hear about him so much. 
But it's kind of funny to hear. I mean, you don't really even know if they had like an actual police force that wasn't, you know, like a central police force, but they had like these secret police. The funny, they're not like police, like what we think of. They're more like hired hitmen, pretty much. Like the fucking Gestapo, right? Or the SS. Yeah. yeah. You know what they're kind of like? They're kind of like Pinkertons a little bit. Ah, but that was a detective agency, Ooh. wasn't it? That's kind of what these guys are. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll get into it right now. All so right. in 1564, Ivan actually fled the capital. He would write the boyars stating that uh, he was really just done with being the czar and they should go on and just kind of rule without them. This, however, was merely a power as with Ivan still alive, the boyars could not rule. And if they did, they worried about a full-on rebellion from the commoners of Moscow because Ivan was very popular among the people. After sending the letter back, begging Ivan to return, he would then lay out his condition. He wanted absolute power. He also wanted the ability to stamp out treasonous elites any way that he had seen fit, this without the interference from the boyars or the church. This would lead to the seizing of land and property of suspected enemies of Ivan and the state, also resulting in many of the boyars' executions, with not a single aristocratic family untouched by these purges. This new policy was known as Oprichina, lasting until 1572, nearly eight years. Whoa, okay. I mean, we got to give Batman credit here. Wow, this is a... It's a risky move, but kind of a brilliant one. Like to be like, hey, you want this? Go ahead and take it. But it's just, a, it, he's like, oh, you activated my trap card. You're going <laughs> to sign my conditions now. Definitely. Yeah. So he seized total power. The chosen council, which he had himself set up to, to rule alongside of him, he completely neutered them. They no longer, even the little power he gave them, they no longer had. Uh, it's, it's this crazy thing, too, where it's a very populist thing because there's nothing that commoners hate more than people who are like wealthier than themselves. They look towards the king as like a god. But then there's all these nobility who are above them who are actually the ones putting their boots to their neck. They hate them, but they love the king because the king's more of an idea. That is a good point, actually. I was kind of wondering why he was so popular, but OK, that makes more sense. Yeah, I mean, they're not seeing what the boyers see kind of deal, too. Also, the commoners, they don't have a dog in the fight when it comes to the political intrigue or the power grabbing. They're just worried about getting enough bread to not starve to death that week. Very true. So, Very true. Now, one of the crazy thing about the Oprachina secret police is that they were said to have rode on horseback and carried the heads of animals. Uh, I read a lot, actually, that they carried dogs' heads with them, and this was in order to sniff out corruption. So kind of, you know, a nice little... <laughs> little on the nose, fellas. Little on yeah, the nose. Yeah, a little theatrical there. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I poor dogs, but I guess it gets the meshes across. Definitely, yeah. And I mean, these purges, the bad wars, all of these would kind of be like the story of his now, as far as Ivan's personal life goes, he would marry uh, five, maybe seven more times between 1560 and 1580. All right. Uh, Love very, Island's yeah. back open. 
Yep. The casting call, you know, it comes <laughs> back around. So <laughs> every few years, the casting call comes yeah. out. After yep. after a little bit, though, after a few of these wives, you would think like, oh, maybe I don't want to <laughs> go with him. Tell your yeah. agent not to send you that one. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, this is not what I signed up for. Oh, definitely not. Uh, the first one who he married in 1561, the 15-year-old Maria Tumprekanova. Uh, she was possibly poisoned. Uh, could have been by Ivan. Maybe was by someone else. Not really sure. Commoners actually would think that she is a witch. And it's been suggested by historians that she may have even suggested the Oprachina to Ivan. She tried to send his own police force to him. No, no. So she was the one who gave Ivan the idea. Ah, That's kind of, uh, it might just be a little bit anti-her propaganda, but that's kind of like what historians kind of like write about is it may have been her idea. I mean, (laughs) the dog heads, I I guess kind of give old school witchy vibes, but um, (laughs) I mean, maybe. Yeah, I don't. So did she... She, uh, how old was she when she died? Do you know, or we don't really know? Well, in 1561, she was 15 years old. So eight years later, she'd have been about 20. All right. Not very long then. So next up, Marfa Sobinka, whom he married on 28 October, 1571. She would die on 13 November, 1571. And she was probably poisoned. She got two weeks. Yep, she got two weeks. She was about 19 years old at the time. Uh, They were married for less than two weeks. Ivan believes that she was murdered by a loyalist as she was actually in a fortress surrounded by Ivan's own people. So he was very, (laughs) you can imagine he was a little bit upset after this. It, (laughs) I mean, if all these people were poisoned, then, you know, I wouldn't doubt it if she got murdered by somebody he you know like within his court oh definitely yeah or she might have just drank an old bottle that was meant for the other wife maria you know like they they put a few bottles of poisoned wine around the castle and she just kind of or around the kremlin and she just kind of drank the wrong one sort of deal the she, one filled with arsenic she, yeah as you say she thought it was uh pure vodka but it was actually straight arsenic in there and and just and just it came <laughs> definitely so with the orthodoxy uh, he would have only been able to actually marry three wives making his next wife illegal though he would argue that his fourth wife anna Koltakaya, who he married in 1572 was actually his third legal wife because he had never actually consummated his marriage with Martha as they just never had time in the two weeks to, you know, have sex. So crazy thing is though, two years later, he would get tired of her and he thought that she was sterile because she wasn't having any children and he would send her to a monastery, giving her the same kind of haircut job. Yikes. Okay. So the monastery is like the number one method of getting rid of a wife outside. It's either poisoning them or giving them to the church. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, The crazy thing is, so she would actually live past when Ivan died, which was not very common amongst his wives. Okay, good on you, Anna. Definitely. So his next marriage, which was his first 
kind of unsanctioned marriage was to Anna Vilasilakova. This was in <laughs> 1775. The marriage would end in 1776, though, as she would be sent to a monastery. Ah, okay. That old uh, yeah. trick and pony there. Yeah. So very little is known about her. She was actually sent to kind of like a convent after close to two years of marriage. She died later that year in unknown circumstances at that monastery. It was kind of rumored to have been ordered by Ivan. Her death. Yikes. Okay. So not only is he killing the boyers, now he's just killing his wives. Yeah. And you notice too, these marriages are getting shorter. Yeah. And he's killing them like more (laughs) quicker and quicker. That sort of thing. Okay. So. All right. He's, he's he's earning his title. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So the next one is Vasilisa Mentalova. And this is one of the unconfirmed marriages. So I said he had five to seven more. This is one of those ones that we don't really know about. Uh, in 1579, he was said to have married Vasilisa. Uh, the wedding was unsanctioned by the church. She is thought to have been actually caught having an affair with a prince named Devletev, Ivan would force her to watch as he executed the young prince. He would send her to a convent where it's thought that she may have died also under the orders of. Yeah. Um, if this guy's this fucking crazy, you might not want to get caught banging some other guy. Oh, definitely not. You are on your fucking P's and Q's. Yeah. If you're married to this asshole, yeah. <laughs> there's no way. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, absolutely not. Definitely. Uh, next up, the last unconfirmed marriage was to, I'm getting tired of fucking saying all the people, Maria, <laughs> Maria Dolgura Kakaya in 1580. This one almost, you know, it's, it doesn't even pop up in the history. It pops up in like a century later in the literature, kind of about this time. Uh, it's believed that Ivan had this wife drowned after he realized on their wedding night that she was not a virgin. I I don't know. I feel like he wouldn't even be able to tell. But, um, okay, so... You, you gotta think, though, all of the women before this one were all virgins on, his, on their wedding night because he didn't have them killed right away or sent to a nunnery. Yeah, but come on. So he's probably got some practice. He knows what, you know, he knows he's popping a cherry, basically. He's a hymen master, huh? Ivan the hymen. (laughs) That's what... (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) Okay. All right. Yeah, this is, though, I mean, she pops up kind of in maybe what's fictional 17th century literature. So who knows if this is actually a real... Wonder why he or drowned even a real her. person. I wonder why he would drown her versus the monastery poisoning. Yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things where it could be just kind of like the propaganda. Okay. And kind of it's like the like poisoning is kind of like the aristocratic way out. This is maybe what he would do to one of his victims of sexual assault back when he was a teenager. You know, just uh, drowning someone, yeah. basically. Yeah, like, very you true. go out like a peasant, you know, that kind of deal. Very true. I'm not even going to waste good poison on you. You're just a whore. That sort Ugh. of deal. Jesus. So the last wife, this was actually a confirmed marriage, was to Maria Nagayaya. Uh, he'd marry her in 1580, and she would actually live to be a widow. She was about 28 at the time of their marriage. 
So she was a widow when she married him, or she would become a widow? She became a widow after Ivan would die. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So what happened to her after that? So she would survive to widowhood, though her son Dimitri would die under very suspicious circumstances. She was actually imprisoned as it was believed that he had died due to neglect, though uh, she would waver, though she would later be granted a pardon so long as she's propped up who would become known as a fake Dimitri as her true born son. This was in order to usurp the current czar at the time, though it did not work. And it's kind of a very famous story of the fake to me. Okay, I got so Okay, so who, who is the fake one? Just some kid? Yeah, just some, just uh, some guy that they were trying to use to kind of put their guy in as czar. Kind of like, oh, this is the real, this is the real descendant of Ivan the Terrible. Ah, that kind of deal. Okay. Ivan the Fourth. They might, you know. Gotcha. Okay. Now, you can't talk about Ivan the Terrible without mention what might possibly be his lowest moment, as in around November 1581, Ivan would see his pregnant daughter-in-law, Yelena Shermateva, wearing what he thought was far too provocative of clothing for a woman of her stature. Allegedly, he would fall into a manic rage. Ivan would beat her with his cane, causing Yelena to lose her unborn child, his own grandchild. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that, that I think that would earn him the terrible title. That's pretty fucking horrific. Yeah, actually, that story is a precursor to the real story. Uh, to the actual story of like his lowest moment. He didn't really care about that so much. Upon finding out that he had lost his child and the manner in which it had occurred, Ivan the Terrible's favorite child, his heir, Zarevich Ivan Ivanovich, would actually <laughs> confront his father, getting into an extremely heated ar argument. This would result in Ivan finding himself in yet another rage. He would slam that same pointed cane into his son's head his son would fall to the ground unconscious, uh, dying soon after. And the, the famous, very famous painting is right underneath this. So that's Ivan holding his son? Yeah, that's Ivan holding his son, Ivanovich. Ivan so Ivanovich. in the same moment, he killed his son, his daughter-in-law, and the unborn child. No, no. He, so he, it was in the same month. Uh, it wasn't, it's not like, it's not like uh, the same day or oh, anything like okay. that. But it's very, it's very close together. His daughter-in-law didn't actually die. She just lost a child. Oh, okay. I got you. But he did for sure kill his son. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, his son died at that time. And, uh, you know, the story goes that it was Ivan who killed him in kind of like a rage. So well, it was either Ivan or fucking Scrooge McDuck. I don't know. Someone with a goddamn cane bashed his goddamn head in. It's one of those things where we know he died because he didn't become czar. That sort of thing. The history books kind of say that Ivan killed him, but like all of the the manner in which it happened, all of that stuff, it could all be propaganda. You got to kind of Got to kind of realize that after he died, like there was a lot of like a lot of stories out there being told that sort of thing. So okay. you would really need to be like an expert 
on all of it to know like what was mostly true and what was mostly false. So gotcha. one of those deals. Okay. That's with all history, though. Yeah, very that's with true. shit that happened thirty years ago. Honestly, that, that is very true. Very true. Now, according to the story, or as the story goes, Ivan would cradle his son in his arms, uh, his son's head. He would kiss it, trying to, you know, maybe just trying to make it better. He would hold the blood in. Uh, it's depicted above by the painting by Aya Repin. Uh, this is now an extremely famous painting, very controversial as well, especially in a Russia that's kind of trying to, I don't know, you might like kind of recast Ivan the Terrible as not such a bad guy. Okay. Revisionist I, history. That's what you. I mean, the picture's really good. Like, oh yeah, it's a it's a great painting. Uh, it really captures kind of like the moment. Every time I see a painting in this like this style, I just think about going to church when we were in Catholic school because <laughs> every fucking painting looks like this. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. All of those paintings were kind of made at the same time, too. So all of those famous kind of like Christian paintings, they were all made like in this like time frame, like the post black death, like that, that sort of era. So a lot of those like religious paintings look a lot like this. Yeah, yeah. I imagine it's the type of like pigment and paint they're using. You know what I mean? So or what was available to them at the time, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. Lead based. I yeah. imagine <laughs> the good shit. <laughs> All of it. The good, the good shit. shit. And and they were licking the fucking brush tips. Too. Yeah. So, yeah. Very definitely. true. Very true. Now, on March 28th, 1584, while playing chess with a close associate, Bogdan Belsky, Ivan would keel over in his chair, suffering a massive stroke. This would leave the empire to his son, Fedor, which I actually mentioned earlier, though Fedor would need a regent to rule in his stead. He was called extremely simple-minded. Uh, there were theories that Ivan may have been strangled, though the Soviet Union would actually exhume his body in 1963. They claimed to have found no evidence of strangulation or poisoning. Apparently, he just kind of died, is the story. Any idea how old he would have been? Around rough Ooh, age. Uh, I knew fifties. Like, five days ago, I knew exactly how he would have been about 54 years old at the time. He had reigned for about 51 years. So I don't have the exact like number of days, but I do believe he is the longest reigning czar. If you count his time from being the three-year-old grand prince till the date of his death when he was czar of all of Russia. Pretty long. I mean, it's a long time. For oh yeah, even making it to fifty four is pretty good for this time. Oh, pretty good for this family. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> he was ancient compared to his uh, siblings and children, and definitely yeah. So, like I mentioned, his son Fedor would take over for him. Uh, he was very simple, just kind of you know. He really, really needed people to take care of uh, himself and the empire. He was said to basically just kind of stick next to the wife that was chosen for him. Uh, his wife would actually have an heir for them, but the baby would die before the age of two. It's one of those deals where they were pretty sure that the marriage wasn't even consummated for like almost like I think over a decade. 
after they had gotten married. And why do they think that? Because there was no children until like that time. There was no heirs. Gotcha. And it's it's one of those things where um like Fedor was mentally challenged. Basically ah. is the nice way that I'm putting it right now. Okay. Kind of you know right. what I mean? Like yeah. He, yeah. he was he was not fit to rule kind of deal. And uh they were he was basically being propped up by people who were ruling in his stead. That sort of situation. So like Dick Cheney would be Ivan the Terrible and George W would be Fedor. Mm. <laughs> I'm just saying George W would be Fedor and Dick Cheney would be one of the Shusky family. I'm just saying probably more of the probably more of the Belsky family. I'm just saying he might be Ivan because of the blood on his hands. But if that's true, if George that's true, W. Bush, Ivan the Terrible would be George W. George H. W. Bush, and then George would be Fedor. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Jeb would be Fedor. You know what? He's he seems a little, like the dumb one of the family. Uh, I think he's I think he's quite a bit smarter than George, but uh, <laughs> moving out of that. So now we get to uh, the juicy part. All I right. kind of wanted a uh, little bit of a blast from the past. We haven't really done this for about 170 episodes, yeah. but I want to get to the conspiracies of why Ivan may have been so cruel. All right, let's hear him. First off, we're going to start with a, a fun one, syphilis. Now, this was supposedly disproven during that Soviet uh, exhumation of the body in 1963, but kind of like the re- kind of like the extended decay of his facilities and his, you know, just general balance. It's kind of thought that maybe he had syphilis and it was like rotting out his brain. This would honestly before we even started, because so many psychotic rulers usually had syphilis. Um, this is my yes. first guess. Yeah, and uh, during his youth, he was fucking quite a bit. So yeah, it's one of those yeah. deals where he could have just picked it up and then just it could have, you know, buried itself in his brain. And then during his, what, 30s, late 20s, just started like just started eating his uh, brain, just killing his all of his uh, abilities to rule by the Here, time he was in his 40s here's, and 50s. Here's the thing about this, though. I'm pretty sure untreated syphilis if it was eating his brain away there's no way he would have made it to 54 mm. like he well would have... i mean if he caught it if he caught it it laid dormant for a little bit and then came back possibly i don't know maybe but i don't think the life expectancy of people with syphilis is very long once it starts you know doing its thing mm. possibly i don't know that much about syphilis i just know that it kind of slowly it you know, over time, kind of gives you dementia, that sort of thing. Well, yeah, it's, it, I mean, I don't want to say impulse control, but it, you come up with some wild ideas. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just say that, you know, you got the mind of like Charlie Sheen on crack, like, I I don't know. Or Charlie Sheen off crack. Yeah. Which is um, even scarier. <laughs> it, um, it's. It's amazing. You went to ASU and you don't know that much about syphilis. I'm just kidding. Just kidding, <laughs> Phil. Just kidding. Like <laughs> anyway. Yeah, they have uh, they have plenty of treatments for it. Yeah. So I think, yeah. Uh, I think everyone's fine out there. Use condoms, folks, especially yes, if you're please, going to ASU. Please so, use condoms. Yeah. So the next one up, 
inbreeding. Now, this one's kind of interesting as there really wasn't any descriptions as to like Ivan's appearance that would point towards inbreeding, though the principalities were, let's just call them like a very tight knit group of royals and marriage amongst cousins, both close and distant was not against the norm at the time for the rich folk. Also, many of the royal family members that we've discussed today either died during their infancy, like most of Ivan's children, or had lifelong disabilities, like Ivan's brothers, Yuri's deaf and mute status, also his son Fedor's simple nature. So it's kind of one of those deals where it might be one of those things that was kind of dormant, or maybe it hit. Kind of like with the Habsburg family, uh, a little bit later on, it seemed to skip some of the descendants, but when it hit them, it hit them fucking hard. Huh. I'm not familiar with that family, but uh, I assume they're royals with inbreeding. Yes. Uh, uh, inbreeding was kind of, it might have it might as well have been on their family. It's what they're known most for. So, A lot of uh, royal family members in the uh, Deep South. In America, in case you didn't know. (laughs) Southern Royals. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Members of the Colonel's family. Yeah. So Kentucky pride. So basically what I'm, I don't know, kind of. So during, I I read a little bit into that exhumation uh, back, you know, the Soviet Union, 1963. They did mention kind of that he had like odd features. He was always described as being very tall. They claimed that he was around five foot 10 and 185, 190 pounds, which might have actually been a pretty big person for the 1500s. So to be honest, yeah, though he had like a crooked nose and that sort of thing. So kind of like weird features, regular old Yao Ming of 1500s Russia. Um, yeah, okay, it could be. It uh, it kind of seems like, I mean, they, he was just getting random women, but maybe they were related to him in some way. Yeah, well, I mean, it was, so his family was kind of in power like 700 years before the end coming after Fedor's death. So the end of Fedor would start the beginning of the Romanov family, which ended at the World War One that you think of when you think of the czars. Yeah, yeah. The Romanovs. Yeah, they they ruled for quite a while, too. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, you got to think it's not just like his parents or his grandparents, like the inbreeding kind of takes place over generations. So it might be just catching up to them, that sort of thing. But that's kind of my own little theory. It's not really like it's not really big in the histories. It's just I kept reading about all of the deaths and all of kind of the disabilities. And I was like, ooh, how much inbreeding had been going on for like the generations before. So, yeah, definitely existed uh, with the Royals. Yeah. Next up, this one's a much more popular one currently is mercury poisoning now this would have been taken through ointments meant to supposedly soothe ivan's aching body this would contribute to the worsening madness and general deterioration of his mental abilities yeah yeah i i I don't know if it was quite his time but i (laughs) i know you know we've probably talked about people with syphilis were using mercury to cure it so 
I mean, I maybe it's a combo of both. Yeah, he might have been trying to cure his, you know, mind debilitating disease with a mind debilitating fucking cure. So maybe getting that maybe, double whammy. Maybe. Or the mercury may have been keeping the syphilis at bay, but also poisoning his brain. Maybe this is why he was immune to poison. Possibly. This I mean, that's that's one of my later ones. But okay. yeah, right. you gotta think how much poison did he take in during his <laughs> fifty-four years without dying? Probably quite a bit. Oh, I imagine. Like, you think that no one took a shot at the king? Like they they're just taking shots at all of the, you know, <laughs> all the siblings, all the grandchildren, all everything like that. And no one's taken any shots at him. They had to have tried to kill him at least one. It may it, have been that that really bad fever that he had. It'd be like trying to put, you know, arsenic in John Daly's beer. It ain't even going to affect him, man. He, you know, no, the it golfer, might actually take a few strokes off his game. Yeah, he might actually play better <laughs> if he has a shot of arsenic, honestly. Definitely. So the next one, we mentioned it way back at the beginning. That near deadly flu that struck him in his 20s may have completely just cooked his brain. Yeah, I mean, that that can happen. Your brain overheats a little bit too much, and then you got a little wear and tear on it. And uh, once your brain's damaged, you're kind of never the same. Yep. <laughs> it's poached, and then with the next one, it becomes scrambled. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Too, too, it's a very, very good analogy, similar to serving eggs, Phil. I like that. Definitely. Lastly, like I just mentioned, uh, the extreme trauma that he experienced as a child may have given him like very bad CTE. He also could have been maybe born with some mental illness and the trauma that he faced, both physical and mental, may have kind of really just worsened any mental illness like that he had. Uh, also, the poisoning attempts, we talked about it before, they may have had kind of some you know, ill effects on him if he was ever like poisoned, that sort of thing. So kind of like a mix of a lot of different, like kind of like the outliers. Yeah. So I mean, like we said, if, if Batman, you know, ended up being the mayor of New York, he might've executed and killed a bunch of people too. You know, it's, if he had more power than he had, I mean, he had a lot of power, but if he had more power, you never know. Yeah, you see a lot of uh, if you it used to be HBO Max. Now it's just called Max, but they have a lot of those kind of alternate universe DC movies. Yeah, DC cartoon movies on there. One of them is kind of uh, Superman. But if he actually landed in the Soviet Union and not (laughs) America, he becomes the (laughs) he becomes the leader of the Soviets. And it's it's actually not bad. But yeah. Ah, okay. Maybe I'll have to check that one out. I didn't even know that existed. I kind of like the idea, though. Yeah, it's pretty good. If you still have HBO Max, I'm going to get rid of it probably until the Game of Thrones, you know, net spinoff comes back. Hard, no- whatever. No. Hard Knocks is coming, Phil. Don't get rid of it yet. Okay. Yeah, I know. You love that show. I- <laughs> it's Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. You got to watch it, man. Okay. Gotcha. Now, in conclusion. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That yeah. actually might be good. Yeah. <laughs> Now, in conclusion, Ivan is known today as Ivan the Terrible, though this may, in fact, actually be just a very bad translation of what he was called by the Russian people, which was the word Grozny, which actually roughly translates more to the word 
awesome, awe-inspiring, or maybe like best described as terrifying. This would actually speak to what kind of like the common man in Russia may have thought of their long-reigning tyrant. Leave it to Russians to have a word that can mean a good and a bad thing with the same word. But um, I kind of love that, actually. Grozny, you said it so well. But um, so I guess the ultimate question here, Phil, is was he actually terrible or was he awesome? Ooh, uh, depends on whose propaganda you believe. I mean, actually, the propaganda that had been out for 400 years is starting to be turned a little bit by the propaganda that's coming out now. That maybe he wasn't like the worst person in human history. Maybe kind of like his strength held Russia together during a very turbulent time, that sort of thing. Um, it's probably a mix of, of both. But I do think that, I mean... We would think of him today as terrible, but back then they would have loved a ruler like that, especially after like, what was it? Seven or eight years of those lords being in charge and letting, you know, letting Russia's enemies just kind of run through the country. You would have loved to have a leader like so. Well, here's the other thing I was kind of thinking about. If it was more or less, he was the very last leader in his line. Obviously, we know his son ruled too, but. Did he really? Um, Technically, yeah. The That leaves the perfect blank slate to say, hey, this is why we had to change to the Romanov because of how bad this guy was. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just there was such a lack of heirs after, you know, Fedor was the last son of of Ivan the Terrible. And it's so in a situation where there is no heir, Sometimes they'll run up the family tree and then over and where they ran over from was like a great grandchild of Ivan the Great, which happened to be belonging to the Romanov family. So that's why it switched to the Romanovs. Okay. So that's kind of why that new dynasty forms is just because, uh, you know, all of Ivan the Terrible's children died. Fedor didn't have any living children at all. So it's kind of one of those situations. Just all the contenders just didn't make it. Yeah, I. it's such a compelling story. I'm not really sure. You know, you obviously know more about him than I do. I'm more well-informed, but I would say chances are better than not that he probably was kind of mean. Like, Oh, definitely. You yeah. know, I don't know, maybe not all the savagery, but I would guess he probably... Went a little, was a little insane. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I mean, considering the life that he had, he would be, you know, if, if oh, like dad dies at three, mom dies at eight. If he was kind of imprisoned and beaten as a child, then all of a sudden just left uh, on his own devices out in the streets. And now you're king. It's such a crazy kind of origin story. But I, yeah, I mean, I would imagine that some of those stories are true, you know, and he had all of those wives who died very shortly after being divorced. Yeah, so that's that's another thing, too. Yeah, I I guess we'll never know for certain. But if I had money on it, I would probably say <laughs> he probably did some bad shit. But how bad yeah. his shit is in comparison to all real rulers during this time. 
I think that could be up for debate a little bit. Really quick before we get out of here, I was wondering, what's your favorite kind of theory behind why he may have been so, you know, so terrible, why he may have been like this? Um, I would say probably if he really had that high of a fever and they thought he was going to die, probably his brain getting barbecued. Yeah, I like that one, too. I also kind of like uh, syphilis with the mercury kind of deal that you were talking about yeah. curing your syphilis with mercury. Yeah. That kind of, I like that one. I don't know why, but uh, it kind of actually makes sense a little bit, but yeah, that fever uh, seems to really have kickstarted. I mean, yeah. the stories are that he was crazy from the gut, from the jump, but it really doesn't start to manifest historically until that fever. Yeah. I mean, that's what it seems like when we're following the, the thing. I mean, <laughs> When people have brain damage, I mean, they're almost a different person. And you can see that in modern times, you know, with like a severe brain trauma of some, some kind. Sometimes they just become a different person, you know? Yeah. And think about this. I, I was kind of thinking about this when I he has that fever that, you know, maybe screwed him up quite a bit. A few years later, his wife mysteriously dies from poisoning and he uses it to his advantage. Yeah. That sort of thing. He uses a lot of deaths after that event to his advantage, making you think, was it maybe him who poisoned these people? <laughs> and then, you know, took advantage of it. So could be something like that. That's honestly just my fucking, like just a theory that I had come up like, Hearing a lot about like, you know, murders and a lot of true crime stuff, you kind of think like the person who's out there, like begging the cops to find the killer and doing all this stuff and showing up at the crime scene, like they're the one who the cops look at first. Yeah. After like the husband, obviously. Yeah. But, yeah. A very good point, Phil. Well, anyway, guys, we've been going for quite a while here. Uh, if you want to leave us a comment about the show or just about the show in general, uh, where can they contact us at? Well, they can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. If you have a theory of why Ivan was so terrible, we would love to hear it or anything else, you know, anything you want to talk about, let us hear it. We love to, we love to read the emails. We love to send them back. Uh, probably an even easier way to get a hold of us is through our Instagram, subliminal deception podcast on IG. Uh, love all the the likes and the shares love all the messages. Uh, you know, if you want to send any memes our way, go ahead. Cody likes to send those memes. Cody, what's your Instagram? Yeah, you can follow me at Cody's above. Uh, give me a follow, send me a message. If you'd like, uh, really appreciate the very nice messages I've been getting about the show. I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. And we, uh, can offer you a little escape from the world. Really love hearing that because people need to forget about life sometimes. Uh, the last thing we ask you guys to do is to log into iTunes, leave your show five-star review. doesn't particularly matter what you say. Just uh, hit some word, hit submit, and you're all done. If you're a Spotify user, it's even simpler. You just hit five stars, hit submit, and you're all done. Thank you to everyone who's taken to the time to do that for us on either of these applications or any other applications you can do so. Well, Phil, excellent episode. I've always wondered about this guy, and now I feel more well-informed. Um, great name, maybe not a great guy. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. <laughs>